Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... I am Lawrence is who I am. How are you today? <laughs> Yeah, I'm all right. We're, we're having um, some technical issues today, so let's hope we can get through in one take. <laughs> yes, we recorded about 20 minutes of it, and then uh, it all went wrong. Just... Yeah, my microphone disconnected, and that, that has never happened before. It decided to disconnect itself. So anyway, today we are here to discuss game number 62 on our Metacritic Top 100 list. Game number 62 was released in 1996 for the PC, um, and it has a Metacritic score of 94. Game number two is the almighty Quake. Quack. So, <laughs> Quake, Quake, Quacky, Quackstar, or whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> so so what, what are your feelings for this game um, after having... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been very mixed um, with this one, but I think mostly because of how I had to experience it. I, I think the game, the amount of the game that I played, because I didn't complete it, basically because I was a little bit stuck with my accessibility, but I played it on Steam, and usually with Steam, you can hook a, con- a controller, a controller up to your laptop or computer and play it that way. However, because you and me aren't really PC gamers, I'm a little bit unschooled in that area. So with Quake, I'm not sure if it's because it's a lot older because I didn't have any issues when it came to Half-Life. But with Quake, I just couldn't get a controller to map up to it. It was seeing that the controller was connected, but it just was not doing anything in terms of the game. So I had to play this game on laptop with a touchpad and keys and it was just it made it so hard to get through so tedious um in the end i got so far and i had to give up so i'm trying to not that let that judge my objective opinion of the game itself but i think it's just because of the age of the game it is one of the oldest games on the list if not i don't think it's the oldest is it is it the oldest um no, we had um, Link to the Past, didn't we? Oh, of course, yeah, it was 92, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was 92 or 93. So it's one of the older games on the list, so I suppose something like that's to be expected, but it did jade my my time with it, I suppose. But what about yourself? How did you find it? Well, I had a better time than you. Um, I played... There's a couple of other versions of this game. There's a Sega Saturn version, and there's a Nintendo 64 version, and... As people may know by now, I love any excuse to turn on my N64. And uh, I played it on the N64. And it's pretty decent version, to be honest. Um, it's it's missing a few levels, but you can you can tailor your control scheme to how you want it. If you want the GoldenEye setup, you can do that. If you want the Torox setup, you can do that too. Um, and it's a nice-looking version. I mean, it looks better than the original version of Quake, but not the enhanced version that came out a couple of years later but yeah it's, it's, a, it's a decent version and um 
I think I got on better with it than you. I did complete the game. Yeah, um, you made it through. Yes. Um, yeah, so generally speaking, I enjoyed it. Now, a bit of background about the game. Um, so Quake was developed by id Software. It was uh, seen as a spiritual successor, I suppose, to um, Doom 1 and 2. And it came out in 96, as we said. And it was, it, to many people, it was the uh, first fully 3D first-person shooter that they would have played. Um, there were some obscure titles that I'm sure people may bring up that did it first. But this was one of the, one of the, one of the first ones to popularise it. So I think this holds a, a fond place in many people's memories. Um, now, what you may also know about Quake is that it had a bit of a troubled development. And a lot of the content was cut from the game um and you can see that in places definitely uh certainly with the final boss <laughs> you can see that but we'll go into the final boss a bit more later um so can you can you give us the very very streamlined plots uh for this game i don't even have to streamline the plot for you because the plot's that basic it doesn't require streamlining that's how basic nice. it is um so yeah like i said i haven't finished this game but from what i picked up you're an unknown protagonist and there is some form of evil entity or enemy or or whatever code uh, codename quake and it's your job to go into four different portals so four different realms get uh, like i a... think i think the main character's codename quake and and the enemy is called shubnagorath that's what no, I think it is. It's, um, I, I, I googled it because I didn't complete the game. I did a bit of research. Um, well, the, the, the enemy, the final enemy is definitely called Shabnagorath. I think I think it's codenamed Quake, but that's its actual name, if that makes sense, because the, the protagonist in Quake doesn't get named until Quake 3, I don't think, but he's named Ranger. It's just, yeah, just Ranger. Um, so Shebna Gorath is the, is the final boss, and it's it's um, basically she's described as the Lord of Demons or the Queen of yeah. Demons or something, and she turns out to be an immobile blob that doesn't do anything. And it's it's your job to go into the four realms, collect a rune, I think it's a rune stone, and then get to the the fourth fourth chapter, so the fourth realm, and face yeah. the blob, and. <laughs> Dude, that's that's probably a more a more appropriate name. To, to do, do, do a quake and do some winning, and then complete yeah. the game. That's pretty much it, I think. Cool. Um, so, in your experience with the levels, uh, what did you think? Obviously, you didn't you didn't make it to the end, but what what was your takeaway from the levels that you did play? No, and we discussed this um, when we tried recording before. The thing with this game, it's an id Software game and it's very similar to the other id Software games that have cropped up over the years, the predecessors primarily being um, Doom and Castle Wolfenstein. And, I mean, the, the level of design I think was interesting. I, I particularly liked how you've got areas of water that you could jump into that led to underwater tunnels that led places. You've got areas where there were secrets... And really, these levels are as big as you want them to be. You can just run straight to the end of um, end of a, a level or whatever and just get there straight away. But you'd be missing out on a lot of the design. And I mentioned to you before that the aesthetic 
of this game is very much just browns and greys, and that's because it was very limited by the technology of its time. But in terms of what Quake was, it was a huge step forward compared to what Wolfenstein and Doom had been before it, because it was really a, a big leap forward in terms of the technology and of 3D graphics. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, these levels can take anywhere between, say, three or four minutes to 15 minutes to complete, Yeah. Um, depending on how much you want to uncover. And um, you can have anywhere from, say, about 10 enemies to about, well, literally going up to 100 probably. Um there's there's a lot of enemies in some levels and yeah they, 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 the levels kind of wrap around themselves a bit so you you might start off in one place and you can see two bridges above you but you can't get to them yet and then later on you'll be on those bridges and you'll be looking down to where you started i think that's quite nice i always like games that are designed in that way rather than that kind of uh, corridor pro- progression that we we seem to see a lot nowadays um these seem to seem a bit more s- smartly designed um I think, generally speaking, the levels are of a type, but there is some variation in there. You've got well. Well, I was going to say, with with these levels, they're all very similar to what id Software have been doing beforehand, and with with John Romero and John Carmack, the way that they designed levels, it it kind of improved as time went on, didn't it? With Wolfenstein and Doom, you saw small um, increases in the quality, and then when it came to quake there was a large range of differentiation between the maps and i only saw two different styles but like you say you've got like you say there's a medieval castle isn't there and then is there a sci-fi one and... there's like yeah there's one where you, you're fighting marines and it's a bit more uh metallic whereas the castle was a lot more wood and um there's an area which has got lava pits and yeah there's, there's, there's a there's a bit of variety there maybe maybe not groundbreaking variety that we'd expect nowadays but as you said, this is coming from a time which was different where maybe variety wasn't on the, everyone's minds and, and it became this thing that was quite impressive with Quake. But but to your point, a lot of people did say about Quake at the time that it was very well received from critics, but a lot of players said that it was basically like Doom 3. Um, so I take your point that it's... Uh, it's it's very much of the same style as, as as the Doom games. Yeah, and that's very like you you mentioned there that it's very much of its time this game, and we mentioned it in our previous recording before we had to start again that the <laughs> the the id software games were really a turning point for video games I think because the early to mid nineties you had these games like Doom, Wolfenstein, um, Quake. And then other games that I'd throw in the same category like Duke Nukem that were all shareware. And when you and me were kind of at the age of playing video games, which was maybe a couple of years after Quake came out, for me, the way that I played games and tried them out was with demo discs from the PlayStation magazine. And I've mentioned that a few times that the demo discs for the original PlayStation hold a lot of nostalgia for me. But before that, id software was a big proponent of shareware and shareware had been around for quite a while but it was literally the case that you would play the first five levels of a game and if you liked it 
you then send a check off to an address that was shown at the end of that little demo game that you played and then they'd send you a floppy disk with the remainder of the game on and that's just how stuff was done back then and i mentioned to you earlier it seems like it was a completely different world it it just doesn't like now for a demo you just go onto the nintendo eShop or the playstation store or the xbox store and just download a demo but not many games do demos anymore anyway because they no. want you to do um they want you to do a pre-order they want to get your money before the game's even finished but back then particularly with shareware it's i'd say it's such an interesting time for gaming i think and i think that id software particularly with the three mainline games that we've mentioned wolfenstein doom and quake they really kicked off um mainstream pc gaming and particularly competitive multiplayer pc gaming and like lan um lan parties there's something to be said about about the demos um i think as gamers have grown up because obviously gaming is a relatively new medium when you were a kid and you were playing games you maybe didn't have the the free money to pick whatever game you wanted so i'm 29 and still don't have the free money to pick whatever game i want (laughs) so developers had to appeal to you through um demos they had to sell their game by giving you a level or two and then you go to your parents and you say i really want this game because i've played this demo um whereas as you say it's not really a thing anymore you don't you don't get the uh the magazines with the demos on them anymore or things like that it's all just uh, kind of died a bit. And obviously it's a very different gaming world now than it was then. You've got um, yeah. you got free-to-play games, you've got different price points. And um, I think there's, there's definitely something to be said about that generation of gamers that were, that were playing demos growing up. Obviously you still get kids, but kids more likely to play Fortnite or Jurassic World or something. Yeah, it's... I mean, you, you mentioned like free-to-play games. Now, Fortnite's a prime, uh, a prime example of that. You don't have to pay to, to play Fortnite, I don't think. At least you didn't when I last played it a year no, or so ago. And that's kind of the way that games... I wouldn't say they're going, but the way that Fortnite makes its money is through uh, V-Bucks and you know buying skins or guns or whatever. That's how the money's made on those things and i mean epic games has made like an absolute shed load of money from fortnite it's inconceivable i mean mean, think about like sony on playstation back then you got a ton of kids games a ton of games that i mean you've talked to me about crash bandicoot and spyro and things like that story two and and now i just think really nintendo's the only one that makes games for that that kids can play and then Sony's outputs become The Last of Us and Days Gone well, yeah. and Ghost of I mean, and at, at time of recording this, Sony's doing a lot of weird things, aren't they? In terms of they're, they're not really looking closing out down their place, their old PlayStation stores. Yeah, which is really and I mean, if I look back at the Sony from my childhood with all the demo discs, I've mentioned it on this podcast before. Uh, something called Netyerose, which I don't think you'd heard of until I mentioned it, and it was uh, a dev kit that you could buy um, from Sony for the PlayStation 1. It was basically a black PS1. And you could develop your own games on there. And you could then submit them to Sony. And the ones that they like the concept of or they like the look of, they would then include on their PlayStation demo discs that came out with the PlayStation magazine. And I've, I've played a few of them. And like they're just quite charming. 
And if like if anyone's interested in finding out more about the Nat Rose stuff, because I think it's fascinating. There's a video um, that Kadikaris put on his YouTube channel a few years ago where he plays through every single Nat Rose game that existed. And it's just weird. That Sony doesn't exist anymore. No. And I, I think you get flashes of it with things like Dreams. And, yeah. And cool stuff like that. And um, I mean, I, I we, we've talked about it several times over, over the video, or the, over the course of the podcast. And uh, yeah, it's a different Sony. We talked about it a lot in the... Um, what was that uh, <laughs> that platformer that they did? Oh, Little Big Planet. We talked yeah. about it a lot in that episode, and yeah, it's a, it's a different Sony now. Absolutely, but, um, it, but it's got its benefits and it's got its drawbacks. Yeah, um, I, I like those big games that they they release, but I do. I, oh yeah, I've definitely. Admit, I miss the charm of Sony from the the PS3 era backwards. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm playing through Ghost of Tsushima at the moment, and I'm really enjoying it. It's brilliant, but. There's just something missing. And I mean, going back to Quake, id Software has been around as long as PlayStation. Well, they've been around longer than PlayStation. And even though id has changed a lot and it's now, you know, been taken up by Bethesda, they're still making those games. They're still making Castle Wolfenstein games. They're still making Doom games. And I think they're still making Quake as well. Well, the last Quake was a while ago, I think. I watched a video about this, and um, that there was a time, obviously, in the 90s and the early 2000s where there were... I mean, there's there's Quake 1, Quake 2, Quake 3 Arena, Quake... There was, there was um, Quake 4, I think it was Quake 4, that was on the Xbox 360, which was a story-based game. And then most recently, um, there's another kind of online one that they've released. Um, but... That was a while ago now. I think it's now been shut down. Right. So we've not had one for a while. Um, but maybe they're getting around to it. Yeah, you never know. On to our ever-present feature, Gameplay is King. So, is this game fun to play? When you've got the right controller, yeah, probably. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Did you get any, any fun out of it, playing it the way that you played it? Not really. And it's a shame because... I, so, I, so describe to me, so, so paint me a picture of you playing this game. I mean, just working through one of the levels. How would you go about it? I uh, swear a lot. Um, <laughs> I do, do that quite a bit, to be fair. And I die a lot as well. I mean, I was just playing, mainly swearing. Yeah, just just dying a lot. I was playing this game on easy. And the, the AI of the enemies was absolutely butchering me, particularly to start with, just because using a touchpad for any kind of PC game is just not ideal and i just didn't have a good time with it i think with the right controller i probably would have enjoyed it a lot more and i think it probably is fun because this is really the birthing place of modern first person shooters quake yeah and i think particularly when i managed to get moving properly and get stuff going like i really liked the movement and everything was very fluid and very fast which i liked and the shooting was quite satisfying as well but I, I couldn't recommend playing this game without a controller or without yeah. a mouse, uh, which I don't have. So, yeah, just don't play this game on a touchpad. You won't have much fun. But objectively, yeah, I'd, I'd say this game is, is a good time and it is a fun game. And I imagine you'd probably agree with me. Yeah, I think the best thing that I can say about this game, it is a very old game. As we said, it's um, one of the oldest games on the list. And... 
I think the biggest compliment I can pay this game is that it's still quite playable in 2021. Um, you know, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna have too much difficulty getting into it. I mean, the, there is a bit of a learning curve to it. It's not this is not Call of Duty. This is not um, something that you can pick up and play and um, mindlessly breeze through. No. So as the difficulty ramps up, you've got to use strategies. You've got to start to memorize where the enemies are in the levels and then use the right guns to take out particular enemies. Um, and then you've got to watch out for the traps. And it's a, it's a bit more thinking is involved. And it's not as um, fast-paced as the Doom games. So it's a bit of a slower game. So you'll be doing a lot more ranged combat and um, kind of backpedaling to yeah. get away from the enemies that are moving very quickly towards you. Uh, there's things called, I think they're called fiends, which do physical attacks. And they're just brutal up close. And um, you just have to backpedal away from them constantly and get your shots in. Um yeah, so generally I'd say it's, there's definitely fun to be had here. Um, but I think different people's patience may be tested at different points. I mean, there's a couple of points, well, particularly around the last level, <laughs> that drove me a bit mad. Um, so I may, I may as well go into this now. So yeah, so, so the last boss, Shugnagorath, is, as we said, the blob. <laughs> and... It's a very strange level. So Shugnagorath is on this um, island in the middle of this lava. So there's lava all around her. You can't directly get to her. You can shoot at her, but it doesn't seem to have any impact. Um, and you've got a lineup of the toughest enemies along the way. You've got traps along the way. And you're kind of working your way around this spiral thing, which kind of goes all the way around her lava pool in Ireland. And at the very far end of that is a teleporter. Um, so you've got to get to that teleporter and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was thinking I've killed all the enemies. Nothing else is coming at me. I've got past all these traps. It's taken some time because you've got to memorize memory, uh, yeah. enemy placement and get around the traps and so on. And I was thinking, what do I do here? <laughs> and I looked online and um, there's something called a telefrag. And I was thinking, what the hell is a telefrag? And, uh, then I then I then I realised after looking around for a bit, basically you walk into the teleporter and there's this um there's this like orb that is moving around the level and at one point for a couple of seconds the orb goes through Shubnagorath and you have to jump into the teleporter once while the orb is going through her and you basically um it's something it's to do with physics and and because you've teleported into her it kills her. I see. But that's the only way to kill her. Um, so it's, it's very... I mean, I, I didn't have any idea about that. And at one point, I got to the very end and I fell into the lava and died. And I was <laughs> not happy at that point. Did you say but a swear it, word? I, I, I think I probably was on the verge of turning it off at that point. <laughs> I don't know if I carried on. I probably did. I find it hard to let go until, <laughs> until I can do things. But yeah, so it was, it was a very strange final boss. Um, apparently, it was that way. It's very strange because there's there's a boss. Um, maybe after the first stage, did you do a boss? Uh, or maybe the second stage. If I did, it didn't stand out to me. And if I did do a boss, then it probably absolutely nailed me. I, I think you would have remembered it. it was this giant thing that you have to lower these. Um, basically, you have to electrocute it, and you have to lower this. 
it's hard to describe but yeah i think you probably remember it but that was pretty cool but this blob shabnagorath did nothing apart from just sit there have her minions attack you and be killed in a really strange way delegation um, of labor get the minions to do all the work yeah yeah i just i, I imagine that this big bad that you've been being you've been reading about for the whole game um as this uh ruler of all the demons you get this idea in your head yeah. and then you see that thing <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know how to describe it <laughs> so it's very strange i mean it's it's perfectly doable and and there's there's something satisfying in the gameplay um and it in terms of the difficulty it just ramps up as far as you want to go it goes all the way up to nightmare difficulty and um, that's hidden as well isn't it nightmare difficulty yeah nightmare dif- difficulty is hidden and um i wouldn't want to play it on nightmare difficulty <laughs> but um understandable so of what you played what was your favorite gun that you used probably the the nail gun the nail gun was good but saying yeah. that as well i really enjoyed the shotgun i think the shotgun was satisfying to use even though it was the first gun in the game i thought i didn't like the shotgun you didn't i just felt i just found it really lacked punch oh, it I felt more it like a satisfying. rifle than a... maybe maybe different versions but well, I, I don't know because it, it seems because I, I was watching footage of the pc version and i think what makes it not satisfying to me is the sound that it makes it's kind of like this pew, 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 and it's it just it's not it doesn't seem to have any kickback to it right it was more like a rifle than a shotgun and yeah i did, I did like the nail gun though um probably my favorite gun is that there's one that fires electrical charges and it's really powerful i think it's the most powerful one in the game and um that's a lot of fun to use what i like about there's a there's a grenade launcher and there's a rocket launcher this game actually has physics in it which is quite impressive really yeah for its time so yeah so you can use you can get your grenade launcher and you can bounce grenades around corners or down below or and there's a thing called a, a rocket jump that you can do so if you shoot a rocket directly below you and you jump at the same time you can um, basically get a lot of height and move around the levels in ways that you're really not supposed to move around yeah but actually some of the some of the teleporters are built that way so that some of the secrets and that they require you to do that because i did one which required me to do it and i just think things like that it was all about gameplay wasn't it it was all oh big time. everything was about honing the gameplay so much so that probably the final boss and the story got left by the wayside, but the, the gameplay was really tight. And one thing that we haven't mentioned about this game is that it had a huge, huge multiplayer audience. Yeah. That is what this time. game was all about. Um, probably a lot of people will remember more fondly the, the multiplayer than the single player. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that when we're weighing up this game's impact that we'll have to consider at the very least. Oh, easily. On to our question of the week. Now, I had a bit of trouble thinking of this one. Usually, I'm, when I'm thinking about the games that we're playing, something will just come to me. And sometimes I suggest the questions for the games that you've suggested. Because I, I don't know, I'm always just thinking about this stuff. But yeah. this one I had more, a bit more difficulty with. The one that I eventually landed on is probably not one of our best ones. Really selling it there for you. Nice, um, I'm looking forward keep to it now. <laughs> you, you, you've hooked me. Um, so we've already played Half-Life. We've mentioned it a couple of times in the episode. I just am wondering what you think is more influential, Quake or Half-Life? Quake. I don't even, I don't even have to think about it. 
And I think maybe potentially because that is the earlier game. But and I was giving... if you take that out of the equation, if you if you, I know it's hard to. It's very hard to take that in isolation. And uh, obviously, there would be no Half Life without Quake. No. I, I mean, I was going to come on. To I this. suppose what what maybe I'll rephrase it. All right. If you think about modern games, yeah. Maybe I'm loading this question. Probably am. Um, if you think about modern games, what game? What what do you think influenced modern games more in terms of you can really trace where they came from? I think it's a bit of both actually. I don't think I have loaded it, but um, yeah. What, just give me what you think about that. I don't think there's a, a a black and white answer to it because they both did things in different ways. So obviously with Half Life you've got the different environments and you've got the different characters and the voice acting and the different weapons. But as you said, without Quake, none of that exists. And as a as a basic question of which game has more kind of skin in the game in terms of what they influence, I'd say Quake easily. And that's potentially 90% of that answer is just due to the, the, the multiplayer aspect of it and the fact that FPS games owe a lot to Quake, as does Half-Life. And modern FPS games would have taken a lot from both Half-Life and Quake, but I think if you had to really say, oh, which one then, which one, then it would be Quake. And I've got no reservation about saying that, I don't think. I mean, I I don't know if you agree. Um, And I know that you're a bit more of a Half-Life fan than I I am, but you've played the Half-Life games. I don't really have an answer. I suppose it's the same conversation that we had around A Link to the Past. Yeah. As in, there are lots of games, and Ocarina of Time, there are lots of games that owe this game something. Yes. And you could say that about Quake quite easily. I I fully agree with that. Um, I think Quake was ahead of its time. I think, um, I suppose, the, the... where you could say Half-Life really excelled was in the storytelling. And I think games beyond first-person shooters took a lot a lot away from Half-Life in terms of the storytelling. Um so I suppose you from that from that aspect you could you could um you could give it to Half-Life and, and you could also say that games nowadays still kind of resemble what Half-Life did yeah back in whereas there was a long period where you didn't really get games like quake and and we talked about the reboots of of doom and wolfenstein until those reboots came out there was a there felt like a big gap but then i suppose as you say from a multiplayer perspective you've got other arena based games and you've got um what was it called? Unreal Unreal Tournament. Yeah, Unreal it's one of those Tournament. on the list, I think. Actually, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so um, I, I suppose I, I suppose yeah, I think you're right. I think Quake was the, was the more influential, and as well as that, but I think I'd prefer Half Life. Well, as, as well as that, I think we mentioned it in the um, in the first recording, but I don't think we've mentioned it in this one. The music, like this game had a big, um, you know, a, a big name behind it with Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. Have, have we mentioned that in this recording or was it the one that failed? 
Trent Reznor, who, by the way, is not dead. Trent Reznor, who's very much alive. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you're never going to hear that recording. Um, no, audience, I thought that Trent so. Reznor was dead. Um, but I got, got it mixed up with Chris Cornell. So we're very happy that Trent Reznor is alive. Um, been kicking. Just today's been just today's just been one big confusing oh, minefield. It's, it's been rough. But yeah, you, you know, like you, you mentioned it to me that games that have big composers in them, really, that started with Metal Gear Solid Two in the mainstream. But then you look back yeah. to '96 and Quake was doing that with Trent Reznor, and Trent Reznor is you know a huge name in not just. Um, you know, movie scores, but in his own right, and Nine Inch Nails is an absolutely massive band. Can you think of another example of? Because I know that I know that um, Trent Reznor did do some soundtracks as well. I think he did um, maybe did Seven the soundtrack to that, or he was involved right. in it. Um, so, but I can't think of another example of a game that really featured. A musical artist that that wasn't known for doing soundtracks at the time, um, um, I in mean, the same way. The, the the only one that ever springs to mind for me is um, like big big time names in you know that isn't from like gaming um, soundtracks that did a game soundtrack. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head without really thinking is Stuart Copeland from um, he was the drummer for the band The Police. And he created the soundtrack to the original Spyro game. I'm not sure if he did oh. the, the sequels, but yeah, Philip Cope, uh, Philip Copeland, Stuart Copeland did the the soundtrack to Spyro. And I personally think that the Spyro soundtrack's brilliant. I, I don't know if you ever played Spyro, really. Um, no, never really played it. But the mu- the music in Spyro is really good. It, it's really um, it suits the type of game that it is. And you'd probably quite enjoy Spyro. Um, But, yeah, that's the only one that comes to my mind, Stuart Copeland. And then, obviously, Harry Gregson-Williams for... We can't forget 50 Cent, Bloody in the Sand. I think that was what it's called, Bullets in the Sand, something along those lines. I mean, you can't forget that. Was that that the name of a game? Uh, Something like that, yeah. And and it was a 50 Cent game where you played as 50 Cent. I remember that. And Um, G-Unit was in it as well, weren't they? Yeah, so that 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 was that's an interesting one. Um, actually, I think I I thought of another one. Um, there's a very obscure Dreamcast game um, called Omicron, and you wouldn't believe who did the soundtrack to that game and who also appeared in that game. Um, someone who's died, someone who's very 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 influential in the um, I don't know if you call it glam pop phase, right? Um, David Bowie. Oh, Bowie, nice. Yeah, so that's a very obscure one for you, um, but he was involved in that game, and oh, and Michael Jackson, really... Michael Jackson, yeah. in uh, Moonwalker, and also there are rumours. I don't know if it's ever been confirmed, but there are a lot of rumours around the internet and just in gaming mythology that Michael Jackson created the soundtrack to Sonic the Hedgehog three on the Sega. Hmm. But, but other than those games, but... other than those yeah. games, <laughs> but that, that's not to say that games from the nineties didn't have great soundtracks because they no, they yeah, did absolutely. I mean, I, I love a lot of the the soundtracks from games of that era, but it's 
they were more dedicated game composers, whereas this was a big name that you would not expect um, doing the soundtrack to Quake. And I think it really added some some credence to it. Yeah. Some, it, 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 it what's the word? <laughs> After the second time recording, my brain is just dead. It elevated it. <laughs> Something along those lines. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we have decided on Quake versus Half-Life. It'll be interesting. I, I know you mentioned um, towards the end of the list that we would reorganise the games according to what we think... The order um, they should be. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where we both place Half-Life, where we both place Quake, where Goldeneye fits into that perfect dark. All these very old shooters that are on the list that kind of really did their own thing. And, and it's amazing how many older shooters are on there and how modern-day yeah. shooters maybe aren't as innovative or special no i agree it's it, it'll be interesting to see where that that list lies um in 60 something games time yeah or, yeah or 70 i don't we've know we've made decent progress but yeah we've still got a long way to go we do um okay moving ever onwards did the critics get it right with quake i think so they gave it a rating of 94 back in 1996 rave reviews for this game from the critics a um, bit more of a mixed reception from gamers themselves although i think it kind of became much more positive after yeah. the modding scene came around and people kind of got to play the multiplayer a bit more but yeah generally um very positive reviews for this game did they get it right i think so i think as much as i hated playing it just due to <laughs> my own technological ineptitude i think and I'd give this game a similar comment to Ocarina of Time. I don't think it's one of the best games of all time, but I think it's one of the m- most important games for what it's set up. And like, you've said it, it's still fun. It's still a fun game to yeah. play. And I think that, that counts for a lot, particularly for a game that's as old as, as that. Because like, you look at a lot of games from 1996, particularly ones that hadn't really... Um, they didn't have much of a a road behind them, i.e. this was one of the first modern first first person shooters. So I think with the fact that it's still playable, it's still fun, I think, yeah, the, the critics probably did get it correct. And I'll be interested to see where Unreal Tournament lies with this and then obviously our comparisons with that with Half-Life. I think that's much more of um it may have a story but it's more of a multiplayer it's game, all about it? the arenas yeah. and yeah and, and, and I think even if it's all about killing bots yeah rather I think this was much more of a I mean I use the word scripted but I suppose tailored experience there was a tailored single player mode whereas I've played one of the, I think I played Unreal Tournament 3 and it was, it had a story, it had cutscenes between the levels, but in the levels themselves, it was just deathmatch, basically. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I know about Unreal Tournament is, I, I don't know if um, if you remember it, but there is a video from about 10 years ago on YouTube, and it's just called Angry German Kid. And have you, have you does that ring any bells? Vaguely. It's a video of this German kid in like... I've just opened YouTube now. It was uploaded 13 years ago. And it's just a video of like this German teenager going, 
Is that the one that tries to put the keyboard? No, that's not the one that tries to put... The, the, the one that, no, it's not a keyboard, it's the remote. It puts a TV oh, remote, tries to put it up his bum. No, that's um, that's a kid whose mum cancelled his World of Warcraft account, I think, and he turns into some kind of weird demon, doesn't he? Um, but the angry German kid is like this teenager playing Unreal Tournament on his PC, and he's just having a manic episode over it. He's going absolutely mental. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the link to it. It's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting watch, but that's all I know about Unreal Tournament. It's just that one video of the angry German kid. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it compares to Quake and to Half Life. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you think? Do you think the critics got it right? I think this is this is a really hard one because you really have to cast your mind back to 1996 this being the first major first person shooter in full 3d when we say in full 3d we mean the enemies we mean um the ammo boxes we mean yeah the ammunition and, and like the bullets and the grenades and everything and even even the effects work was in 3d um it's impressive and i don't think you can discount that it's one of those games, and we we've we've mentioned it a few times with the list. It's one of those games that you you can't really deny the impact that it had on the industry. Um, I think there's a different conversation about how well it's aged. I think from a gameplay perspective, I, I fully think it has aged quite well. Um, but obviously, then you start to talk about the colours, and there are other aspects to talk about in there as well. And I think it's not for everyone in 2021 it would i don't know if i could recommend it to most people but if you do have an interest i think you'd enjoy it but yeah i do think generally speaking they got it right and it's one of those games where you really have to cast your mind back and put yourself in that position where uh, which is not easy to to say well i I mean i was six years old (laughs) when this came out i couldn't possibly and 3D games were around as long as I can remember, so I can't remember no. the time before that really. No, nor me. Um, but yeah, so I think I think it does deserve to be there. Um, but I think it's showing its age. It's a bit creaky now. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. It's definitely seen better days, but it's still it's still an important one. And and this this is the time as well where this is not. The AI that we saw in Half-Life, the AI that we saw in um, Halo and things like that, even Goldeneye. Um, this is a time where most of the AI behavior was running towards you mindlessly, trying to butcher you. Yeah. And uh, it was very, very aggressive in that way. But you could, if you got further, far enough away from the enemies, you could just completely bypass them and they wouldn't come after you. And these, these, these were not thinking enemies, but I suppose... That fits nicely with the theme of the game as well. I mean, they're meant to be, I suppose, demons, and they don't think in the same way that we do. No. So yeah, a lot more animalistic. Yeah. So generally speaking, yes, it gets a yes vote from me. Lovely. Um, we've managed to get to the end of this without any technical issues. I say, really. Don't say that <laughs> because crossed. you're going to jinx the edit for me, and it's going to absolutely ruin my week. I just when I open it on audacity and i realized that i've got no sound i can't wait can't wait for that to happen um 
Yeah, so what what's coming up? We are doing on... another big game. We After we did Persona 5 Royal, we decided that every month or so... A couple of months this year. Yeah, we, we do one of the bigger titles on the list so that we don't... You know, and when we say bigger, we mean longer in length, length yeah. so we don't get to number 90 and we've got 10 70-hour games to play. Yeah, exactly. So we decided to throw it back to a game that we're both familiar with for the next game, which is our big game of this period, uh, which is Oblivion. So I'm sure a few of you listening will have your own experiences and your own thoughts on Oblivion, and I think it will be... Um, I think I think you and me are going to probably disagree on a few things with Oblivion. I don't know. I don't. I've, I've got I've got positive mixed feelings about Oblivion. I'd say I've heard it's your favourite game ever. <laughs> That's what I've heard in the magazines. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a really funny one. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going to land on it to be honest, but we'll see. We will. So. As always, you can reach out to us on our social media platforms, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or if you want to send us an email, that'd be lovely as well. We like hearing from people. That's the long and short fit podcast at g no hotmail yeah, hotmail.com. It's been like two weeks since we've recorded. I can't even remember what our email address is. We're out of touch, aren't we? We are. We've just I just don't know who we are anymore. Aged about 10 years within the last two weeks. Mentally, I have. I don't know what I'm doing. Jesus. <laughs> I feel like I have today after this second yeah. round of recording. But um, Yeah, if you want to reach out to us, then please feel free to do so. Uh, that's Quake pretty much in the bag. I'm quite glad to go to... Well, carry on playing a game now where I can use a controller. It's uh, it's going to feel like a mercy. Anything that's else from you? That's going to be a you? step up, isn't it? Um just apologies if we sound a bit punch drunk. It's just from, from having to record this twice in an evening. Yes, our um, our dulcet tones are a little bit uh, more dull than dulcet today. But uh, yes, alas. But we'll see you next time for Oblivion. And in the meantime, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.